Thank you, Sue, and thank you, kids. I'm going to read from Colossians 1.19, which says, I didn't bring my new reading glasses. Hmm. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted and he is able to help those who are being tempted. So the word for today is full. And uh, talking about not our stomachs, although that, that might be something you think about. You know, if you didn't eat your breakfast, you might get a little hungry here and talk about full and am I full, am I content, am I filled? Uh, but really what we're, we're talking about here is the fullness, God's fullness in Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. And, and also, though, where we're going with this, uh, so just so you know, uh, we're talking about God wants Christ's fullness in you. I'll show you that in the scriptures in just a little bit, because some of you may not believe me. That's really there. Uh, but here, here we go. I think we said this at the beginning of our gathering, which, by the way, you, awesome worship this morning. Man, you guys were really singing out. It was beautiful. Uh, it, it was going through the wall with the 52 thing over there. But here, I, I think we said this together uh, this morning. I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now this is the time of year that we're, we're talking about these things, aren't we? We're talking about a little baby born in a manger, but uh, these are the essential beginnings of our faith, which really the crucifixion and resurrection depend upon. Uh, without the incarnation, uh, there's nothing to crucify. Uh, without the incarnation, uh, there's no one power, powerful enough to defeat death. And so without the incarnation, the story isn't complete. You know, it seems we can't ever talk about Jesus without saying son. You know, and I, I can't seem to say all that's contained in the word God until I say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You see, at the center of the universe is a relationship, a community, a family, actually. At the center of the universe is a relationship. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. And the Spirit is totally taken up with both the goodness and beauty of the Son and the Father. And uh, that sounds pretty full to me. You know, what was there among the Trinity at the very beginning and before our beginning was something that couldn't be contained. God decided to open up that holy fellowship of love to us. 
To do that meant making us free and then watching us throw that freedom away, then redeeming us and freeing us again. It is for freedom that Christ died for us. Redeeming us meant sending the Son, and now in our day, sending the Spirit. And last week, uh, we looked at the great lengths God went to in sending the Son. Philippians chapter 2 speaks of that path of humility, leaving heaven and taking on flesh. Today, I want to share with you that God not only had to do this as in it was the only way to redeem us, but God was also pleased to do this. He was pleased to do this. It wasn't just a, it's the only way, this is, I, I have to do this. It was, I am pleased to do this. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. Now, how uh, theologians speak of this as so as not to get into trouble is they use the phrase, which, which you've heard Sue say and myself say, uh, Jesus was fully God and fully man. When you really deviate and try to explain it any other way, you end up in trouble. And even when you uh, uh, try to use uh, natural illustrations, uh, it just doesn't ever carry the full connotations of that. And so that, that is the phrase that we use in the Christian faith to explain the incarnation, although it really doesn't explain it, does it? I mean, it, it tells maybe what, what we're trying to say and what it is. And, and I want to let you know that in the, in, with the incarnation, uh, there are parts that, uh, and I will say this, and this might disturb some people, but it, it's, it's mystery. There are some parts where you'll never be able to divide and go, okay, well, how was it for Jesus to be a man? And did he experience this? Did he experience that? But he was also God. So what was that like? And you can go back and forth with that, and it, it, it's a puzzle. It's a mystery, though, and it's a mystery to be delved into. It's not a mystery that has to be, uh, we have to, well, we have to nail this down. We have to explain it. No, it's actually a mystery that we preserve. We preserve the mystery, and it's a beautiful thing, and it causes great wonder, and, and I think it's good for us to have wonder in our faith. So Jesus, fully God, fully man, not 50-50. He's not switching modes. Oh, now I'm the Father. Well, I've got to stop being that. Now I'm going to be the Son. Oh, I need to stop doing that, and now I need to be the Spirit. No, it's not switching modes. It's not a man who spiritually evolved into a superman, nor is it about a powerful spirit appearing to have flesh. No, the Word became flesh, fully God, fully man. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. See, we believe in the miracle of the virgin birth that Jesus was not conceived by man, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, a miracle is something that goes beyond natural laws. They're explained that these natural laws that we've uh, theorized and go, this is explained, this is how the universe works, and, and we prove these theories, and now it's law, natural law. Miracles go beyond natural law. They bend and go past those laws. A miracle is something supernatural. Jesus conceived not by the seed of man, but by the Holy Spirit within Mary. That is supernatural. That is a miracle. And it is a key part to our faith. But it begins to make you wonder, though, doesn't it? It begins to make you wonder about... uh, Jesus the God-man. 
I mean, if we, if we are born sinners, how did Jesus escape that if he was made flesh? When, when Jesus was, if he was fully man, how, how does that work? Well, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of times we talk about the garden. We talk about what happened there with the fall of man, the first sin. And uh, even in the New Testament, it's described, and, and it, it kind of seems to put the blame on Eve for uh, initiating sin. Uh, but when you look at this idea of sin being passed on from generation to generation, uh, when you consider the conception of Jesus, we can probably say the blame for passing on sin falls on Adam. If you want to put blame on Eve for starting it, you could pa- put the blame on Adam for passing it on. Uh, because it seems that uh, Jesus was conceived uh, not by a man, but by Heavenly Father. And with that, he did have an earthly mother. And yet he was not uh, born with a sinful nature. So Jesus conceived of the Holy Spirit, did not come into the world with a dead spirit, but came into the world alive and without sin. God appeared in a body, and that body was without sin, 1 Timothy 3.16. So he had an advantage over everyone born on earth. He didn't have the controlling power of a sin nature to battle within. Yeah, there was a battle without, but not within. Two things are really important about this. One is that Jesus, being fully God, was without sin. You see, to be our substitution, Jesus had to not be guilty of sin. He had to be a perfect sacrifice. Second thing, you know, there have been many people who have died for others, for another person. Even in some of our American uh, history in battles, there have been men who have sacrificed themselves for a whole ship uh, or for many in their platoon. But to sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, past, present, future, you need a powerful sacrifice much more powerful than an average man could ever do. And someone who can also operate in eternity, outside of time. And there is only one who's qualified, only one who can make that powerful and perfect sacrifice. His name is Jesus. And God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him, fully God, fully man. Now for some of us, you know, we might can, uh, kind of wonder about the advantage that Jesus had over us. Or another way to, to think of it or ask of it is, well, what weaknesses of our humanity did Jesus take on? Well, Hebrews 2 describes it this way. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. It goes on to say, uh, for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So just a refresher, temptation is not sin itself, but it is sin knocking at your door. Sin is when you open the door. Later, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that Jesus never opened that door, even though it got knocked on in every way that you and I have our door knocked on by sin. Now, you might still be saying, well, Jesus still had an advantage over us in facing temptation. And I would say, true, he did. 
But it's like the argument that C.S. Lewis describes of a drowning person crying out for help. And another person comes to rescue and puts one foot on the ground and one foot into the water and reaches out. And then the person in the water goes, that's not fair. You have an advantage. When you're drowning, don't say stupid things like that. You don't care. You just want to be rescued. You're really going to argue that someone has their foot on the ground and has an advantage. That foot is there to help you, to rescue you. So it, it's, it's a silly, silly thing. But here are two great reasons for us to be glad that Jesus was not only fully God, but fully man. One is that he knows. He knows. He knows what it's like to be you in every way. And because he knows, he's merciful towards us and he's not condemning us, but he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I right now. Second, in being fully human, God identifies with us. You know, he didn't stand at a dense distance and send an angel to be his surrogate rescuer of mankind. He came close and taking on flesh and dwelling with us, he identified with the poor, those born out of wedlock, because that's what his mother was accused of, wasn't it? That was the story that probably the neighbors whispered, wasn't it? He identified with those who have step-parents. Joseph was not his real father, was he? He identified with, the perse- with a persecuted race, the Israelites, and an oppressed nation, the Romans occupied his country that he was born into. And he also identified with all our longings and the confinement we sometimes feel in these tents we call our bodies. Some of you who are older know what I'm talking about. I got a back that is so messed up from playing football as a kid. And there are moments and days where I, I just, I can't sit any longer. I can't stand any longer. I have to lay on my back and just go, oh, this body. And I got probably another 40 years in it. Oh, Lord, help me make it. You know, and he identifies, he knows God appeared in a body and God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus fully God and fully man. Well, great lesson in theology. Thanks for that, Shannon. Uh, Let's go eat. Well, wait. Did you know, did you know the fullness of God Jesus experienced in his human body is something that he desires for us also to experience? Not, Not that we will be only begotten, but we can be born again, born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. Listen to this in the same letter where we just read Colossians 1.19, saying that God was pleased to, have, to, to fully have his presence within Jesus. In the same letter, chapter 2, it's written about God's fullness in the Son. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and... You have been given fullness in Christ. You have been given fullness in Christ. Jesus is fully God, and He wants you full. What does some of that fullness 
look like, sound like, feel like. Listen to the words of Jesus and how he wants you to be full. Jesus wants you to be full of light, Luke eleven thirty four. Jesus wants you to have life to the full, John 10, 10. Jesus wants the full measure of his joy in you, John 17, 13. He wants you full of faith, grace, power, and wisdom, just like Stephen was, Acts 6, verse 3 and 8. Jesus wants you fully persuaded, that God has power to do what he has promised. He wants you full of goodness, Romans 15, 14. Jesus wants you to know him fully, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He wants you to know his love, that you might be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. Oh, there's some nice alliteration there in the scriptures for us. Can you guys say that? Filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. Let's repeat that. Filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. One more time. Filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. That's what the Lord wants for you. Jesus wants you to have the full riches of complete understanding. Jesus wants you to be continually full of the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 God was pleased to have his fullness in Jesus And God wants to give you fullness in Christ. So is anybody feeling empty in any way? Fullness. Yeah, now's the time to think of that comparison of our stomach. I mean, it's nice to be satisfied. It's uncomfortable to have hunger. It's uncomfortable to be empty in some way in your life. And I think if there has been some sort of emptiness in any part of your life. God designed you and made you to be filled, to not remain empty. You know, if God gives it and Jesus wants it and the Spirit supplies it, I think we just need to ask. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So why don't we just ask him right now? I mean, if there's any of us here that has any part of our lives where there's some emptiness, why, why don't we just ask Him right now, Lord, I want the fullness of Christ in my life. And, and look, I'm not looking for some outward sign of your fullness, but I do hope that when we pray, that sometime after asking, you'll know. You'll know that within you, that wherever you were empty, you're instead full. And, and I don't think uh, we have to be dramatic about this, but maybe if those of us who need fullness in some area of our life or fullness just in a general way, maybe, maybe you know, for some of us, we, we do need something outwardly. And, and maybe it's just something simple and symbolic. You know, I mean, I mean we, you know, we, we got this thing called air. And sometimes our lungs are full and sometimes they're empty. In fact, they go back and forth with it. They breathe in and they breathe out. And really, you know, it, I, I sometimes think that maybe we just need to fill me, Lord. Lord, fill me with the fullness of Christ. And I sometimes I think we just need to stop and do that. In fact, right, right now, we, we can do that. We can do that. Why don't we do that together? Just, just, just say this with me. Lord, fill me with the fullness of Christ. Lord, fill me with the fullness of Christ. 
Now, you can pray that in a more meaningful way because, you know, that's the whole thing. The preacher is leading you and it kind of, kind of weird. And I wasn't ready for that. Come on. Okay, but now you know, all right? And you can do that sometime when you really are thinking about it and you really meaning it and you really maybe examine you go, Lord, there is some part in my life that kind of feels empty. And I, I don't want to be empty. I want to be full. I want to be full in every way that you offer me to be full. So, you know, um, today is my last message with Highland. And if there was anything I could hope for you, if there is anything that I would want for you, wish for you, is that you would have the fullness of Christ. You know, I could wish other things. I could wish that you would read your Bible. I could wish that you wouldn't forsake coming together. I could wish that you would live out choices that would honor Jesus. I could go on and on with the things that I could wish or want that would all be good and best for you in Christ Jesus or bless you. But really, I just have to hope for one thing for you, that you will ask God to fill you with the fullness of Christ. Because if you are filled with Him, with the Spirit of God, you will be supplied, you'll be directed, you'll be reminded, you'll be sustained, you'll be encouraged, and you'll have desire for what is good for yourself and for the body as a whole. So that's my hope for you. That's my wish. And I would say also full describes my time with you at Highland and over the past nine years. You know, I want you to know it's been full of fun it's been full of joy. It's been full of hope, faith, uh, love. Uh, it's also been full with difficulties, uh, tears, and heartache. But I can't ever say that the past nine years have been empty. Really, really can't say that. It has been full, and Jesus made it that way. And I will always look back on my experience with Highland as one of the greatest rides in my life. And I will always look back and remember your faces. It's true. I'll never forget you. And there are many hearts here, and there are some who have moved on, who have helped travel the vision of this church and take its first steps into reality. And thank you for your faith. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your love that helped push back the darkness for this church to take up space for the kingdom of God. And I will always remember the team who first took the first steps of faith in this journey when there was nothing but a dream of a church. Thank you for taking that risk with me. And thank you for your faith, sweat, and prayers. So I know that the fullness of what God wants to, with Highland is still to come. It's not finished. And, and leaving at this point has been probably one of the hardest decisions of my life. You know, there's much more to flourish here. There's much more to plant. There's much more to water. There's much more to harvest. And I can still imagine it all. Uh, but it's not for me uh, to do that any longer. But it's going to be for you to see it. For you to bring it out of imagination and into existence. It will be you walking in faith, not by sight. So, but I am certain of the path that God has called me on and, and the confirmations keep coming as my wife and children and my, my family join me in this wild ride to equip messengers around the world with the story of God. And uh, the new work has already started. 
the music score is written, uh, the script is complete, a team's ready to rehearse it, and uh, we're looking forward to debuting uh, the, the story of God here at Easter, uh, that first weekend of April, and it's going to be amazing. It really is. You need to gear up your faith for it. Um, but I'm also uh, looking beyond Easter as uh, we'll be taking the story of God on the road to various cities in the U.S., uh, probably a lot more than I imagined uh, at the beginning. Uh, and uh, we will be sharing the story of God and asking people to help us take it overseas uh, so we can train other teams of 8 to 10 people to share it in their country. So over the next, the, the plan and the big idea is over the next 10 to 15 years um, that we hope to train over 300 teams around the world. Ugandans sharing with Ugandans the story of God. Indonesians sharing with Indonesians the story of God. And Americans sharing with Americans the story of God. Until the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth and the Great Commission is fulfilled. And we're not the only ones trying to do that. There's other great organizations like Campus Crusades and stuff like that. But it's the goal. And it's what we're doing. We're partnering with other uh, international organizations to do that. And uh, that's going to take a bit. And uh, so one of the funding mechanisms uh, for this is a movie production company that has agreed to give 80% of its profits to this global mission. Uh, the movie is going to be released April 20th, 2016. And it's a movie about the life of Rachel Scott, uh, one of the Christians killed at Columbine. So uh, I, I encourage you, when that date rolls around, I encourage you to buy a ticket to that movie. Because when you buy a ticket to that movie, you'll be helping launch a movement around the world. And uh, the expected uh, profits that will be donated, are over, uh, they're expecting over $100 million. And, um, and that's going to help begin the training and multiplying of the story, uh, story of God teams uh, sometime at the end of 2016. Uh, but it's not 2016 yet, is it? Uh, it's not. So until that time, I just want to share with you um, how you can help us. One, uh, I'd love for you to keep in contact with us. Uh, you can do that and go to storyofgod.com and uh, uh, pray. Just pray, pray, pray for us. Um, there at our website, you can subscribe. Uh, you can get different kinds of updates uh, there. Also, you can, if you don't do that and you, you only use paper in the paper world, there's paper in the back of a little table there. And, and also, just uh, there's a little magnet uh, with a picture of our, our team. And I'd love for you to take one of those magnets, put it on your fridge, and it just says, pray. And uh, just a reminder to pray for us. Um, tell people about us. Uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, the website and the Facebook page are up. Um, come to the Story of God musical uh, this uh, coming April 2015. The uh, first weekend here at the Pillar. Uh, and uh, bring a friend. Bring a friend. And... Uh, and don't, don't think bathrobes and flannel graphs when you think of this. I know sometimes you might think of that when you think of musical at a church. Mm. No, think more like Cirque du Soleil, all right? Think a little out there. Minus the million-dollar budget. All right. Uh, and the last thing, uh, really appreciate, uh, donate. Donate towards the story of God. And you know, you know, uh, I'm still pastor for the next few minutes here. And so you know I don't want you to take away from your giving at Highland, all right? Don't do that. So, so here, I got an idea for you what you can do, all right? Uh, would you start a Story of God penny jar? 
would you start a Story of God penny jar and every day empty your pockets of loose nickels, quarters, dimes, and, and throw it in there. And, and once a month, add it up and donate it to the Story of God. And uh, that'd be great. You can, you can, again, do that online, donate. Um, but here's, here's the last thing. That's, that's enough of where we're going and how you can stay in touch with us. But last thing I want to say to you as I'm uh, signing off as your pastor and handing the reins over to Jason and the elders, which I'm happily doing. It's a very good thing. I believe in the values of this church, and I want you to know that. And that doesn't change when I'm gone from this church. Uh, when those values were, were formed and written out, those weren't arbitrary. We just didn't pull them out of a hat. That was from life. That was from experience. That was from this is the way I want to live my faith out. And so if you uh, find me and my family in the future, you'll find me trying to live those values out. And you'll hear me talking about them still. You'll hear me saying that, hey, all people do matter to God. I will be saying, look, half-hearted devotion sucks. It's a miserable way to live. Full devotion to Jesus is the only way to live. I'll be telling you that it's, it's imperative that we pass the baton of faith and leadership to the next generation, and we better be making changes to do that. We can't keep doing the same thing. I'll be saying authenticity is essential if we're going to continue as the church in the United States. I'll be saying that uh, we just don't build a community for ourselves, but we build a community to reach a community. I'll be saying that we've got to share the message of Christ with relevance. It's the unchanging message, but the methods to share it will change. And of course, you always hear me that we've got to release people from busy church activities to be able to share their faith, release to reveal Christ in their everyday lives. You'll hear me. I won't stop saying it. So, look, I know that there's no command in the Bible to be loyal to these values, but there is a biblical command to live out your faith. And so I charge you, Highland Christian Church, to be true to live out your faith. And I want you to know that I believe in the mission of this church. It's not something arbitrary to me either, but it will live with me for all of my days. The love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ has been the symbol for, for me, uh, my family, before there was ever a church. It's the symbol on my wedding band, um, and it'll be my symbol and mission when I'm gone from this church. I believe in the power of the gospel, and it is still powerful today, just as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago. And Jesus Christ changes everything. And I charge you, Highland, to be faithful to Jesus Christ and his one and only gospel. With Jesus, you will change life as we know it. Without him, you'll do nothing. And finally, I know that this church has the blessing of Jesus Christ and doesn't need anything from me, but I, I want all of you to know, I want all of you to know that I am leaving this church with my blessing upon it and upon the staff upon Jason, upon the elders. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Guys. That's... Uh...
Let's stand and let's uh, worship. Let's worship Jesus. All right.